Um, let's pray. Gracious Father, for, uh, for this day, for Rally Day, for this skit, um, for uh, this church, for, um, uh, for your provision, we give you thanks. Uh, speak now. Uh, take this short series, take this class to where you would want it to be, um, and let it become what you'd like it to be. Uh, uh, be with us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's good to see everyone. Um, sort of prayer probably betrayed it. Uh, I have three weeks with this idea, kind of looking at um, uh, just our liturgies, just our, 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 our service of Holy Communion today, and next week we're going to look at morning prayer, and the week following the third week, look at some of the, uh, the occasional services, what are called the pastoral services in the old prayer book. Um, not all of them be too much, but these would be things like the burial service, the wedding, confirmation, baptism, different things like that. Um, it could be a lot of different things. What I kind of have prepared is sort of a, just in two word documents side by side. Some of y'all saw it coming in. The difference between right one and right two, and we can start there. Um, I do hope, and, and I'm glad it's kind of the right size group for this, and know a lot of most everybody in here pretty well. Um, lots of interruptions, hand raising. This could become sort of, hey, I've always wanted to ask this class or whatever. I was talking to Frank Limehouse. Not too long, well, it's probably been several months, and I said, I'm thinking about doing this at some point over the next year, and he was like, I hope you will. You know, it's just something you can never do too much of, why we, why we the Advent, use right one, and why we do morning prayer, and why we do X or Y or Z, that sort of stuff. So that's the hope. Now, there's obviously a lot in here that I can um, sort of take, but it'd be a lot better if I didn't just put my hand on the rudder, so to speak, and carry it, um, but if it sort of emerged more organically from y'all. So that's just an invitation for the whole of the, the three weeks, a short short time. Um, uh, why we, the Advent, do what we do, why the Episcopal Church does what it does, um, including the different prayer book revisions uh, over the course of its history. What do Anglicans think? Um, how do other traditions do this? And by no means do I know all those answers. Um, I've been in, in, the, in the shop, so to speak, for a while, and so just been kind of hanging around and and uh, and know probably know a few things. Um, don't know a lot of other things. If I'm wise, I'll uh, I'll remember what I don't know and, and let you know rather than giving you the wrong answer. Um, and we'll see where we go. You know, surprisingly, there's very 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 little available in this, either in a book form or on the internet. Um, uh, and so it's it's hard it's a hard place to go um, to say even a comparison. I looked a lot. You know, what's the difference between right one and right two? Not much on there on the internet. Uh, uh, and what is out there, a lot of it's kind of written by cranks, either cranks who are just kind of wonkers or cranks who really have an axe to grind. And they're really sort of like, because they changed it, I hate them, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, so trying to bring it in there. My bias, um, I do like the way we do it. That's my stated bias up front. Um, another bias, this will be this will be my, my axe, so to speak, that I'll try to use for the three weeks. Um, the difference in right one and right two is not just these and those. It's not just semantics. And I'm going to look a little bit at what was on the internet and some different church websites. They say, what's the difference between right one and just language? That's all it is. It's just language. It's just that it keeps the old English of the in and out. And that's not true. And that's why the side by side, we can see what's been omitted and what the rubrics, those are the instructions in italics, what they say. Um, it's reflective of a theology. It's a reflective of an idea. And so that's my bias is... Um, I really don't care about the thee and the thou. Um, I do care about what's beneath the thee and the thou, the ideas that are driving it. Um, 
the uh, the right one, with some notable exceptions, carry over from the what was the uh, the revision in 1928 in the Episcopal what used to be called the Protestant Episcopal Church in the United States of America that got changed in the in the early 80s, I think, just after the prayer book um, from the Protestant. Can you touch on what they took out of that book? Uh, yeah, some. What I know, um, that's just comparing 28 to a to a 79. Um, the the revision, the book that we use now, was approved in 1979, and so that's why it was that's why it's sometimes referred to as the 79 prayer book versus the 28 prayer book. Before that, it was 1662, and so there was a long time before the church said, "Hey, let's do something different." Um, and then there were some uh, um, some rapid changes. It was 1662, and then before that, I think the last one was 15. I uh, could be very wrong here. 1549, but then it changed right there at its beginning several times. Why do I like right, what's my what's my axe to grind? Um, not because it's the and now, but because it's reflective of the uh, the Protestant tradition out of which Anglicanism was born. I believe Pro- uh, Anglicanism is a Protestant confession of faith. That's that's one thing I would do. And that's actually sort of debatable. Some people want to say, no, it's not. There's Protestant, there's Catholic, there's Orthodox, and there's Anglican, and it's something in between. Um, I don't think that's true. Uh, uh, Thomas Cramner, much of what is still retained in the... Uh, um, I should get Tatum up here teaching this stuff. I mean, this, this is my friend Tatum. He's in my small group. I mean, he reads this stuff, and he loves it. So he reads the prayer book in its original language, which is English, but none of the <laughs> Um, uh, Cramner uh, was a Protestant. He died protesting. Um, uh, he was one of the Oxford martyrs. Um, I wasn't planning on going here. I was planning on going here. And, and we all heard of the Via Media, the, uh, the, uh, the, the middle way. And again, one of the websites even talk about typical Anglicanism, you know, the middle way and all that stuff. It's not just in all things moderation. It's not just good English sort of manners. Is the middle way. And I've said this before, and I will say it again. It's something I think we all, just helpful to know. The middle way was the way between Wittenberg and Geneva. What was going on in those two cities? The Protestant Reformation in Germany under Martin Luther, and then about 25, 30 years later, the Protestant Reformation under um, John Calvin. Um, that was the middle way. It had nothing to do with sort of the middle way between all of what was going on in the Reformation and Rome, which is what a lot of people want to think. And it's definitely not which is completely poor history. Um, a lot of people want to put this out, people who should know better. Um, just a, It's just a, a theology which is born sort of out of um, two ideas colliding, and let's just always pick the middle. That's what some people think is a good idea. Let's just always take the middle. If, if you think this and I think that, well, let's just find the collision of something in the middle, and that must be where the Lord is sort of bringing us. And that's definitely not what was at least intended as the middle way. I think that was um, what's called the Anglican Divines. One of them, uh, Richard Hooker, um, who was right after Thomas Cranmer, sort of that next half generation, who brought it out. So anyway, the Via Media, it's a Protestant confession, and the right one service captures it better than the right two. I'm going to try to be as fair as I can in the right two, because it's not, it's not completely wrong, but it does have a different idea. So anyway, any thoughts? On just an intro and kind of where we're headed, and what would be helpful if you, if that even sort of started some questions in your mind, so I can kind of know where to steer. So, the 1928 and 1979 revisions. Why, why all of a sudden after 300 years the need to revise? Good question. I'm not sure. 
Yeah, 79 I can do. I, I've never had an adequate answer, and I can't fit it in my own head. Maybe somebody else can. Why, um, what the context was for the revision of the 1662 um, there in 1928. Um, it could have been just a, uh, an update out of the, uh, the truly the old English, but, but I'm not sure. There's some, there's some differences. You can still now online get copies of the 1662. Um, I've been to a couple of weddings where you still have... have um, the services out of the old prayer book, like the 1662. Um, it, it's different. Language is different. Um, I would say the, the theology is still, um, out of both of them, we're going to be sort of more atonement-centered. It's going to be one of the emphases that I'll, the words I'll, I'll describe it. So, I, But I don't know what the context was sort of in the late 20s, why they revised the prayer book then. I know what was going on in the wider circle. That was sort of the rise of of, uh, of, of Post-millennialism. This was coming out of World War One. There's a lot of disillusionment. You know, the idea of progress was really being thwarted, but yet you still had sort of strangely, and Matt, enter if you can help here, um, sort of intellectual underpinnings of what was going on. You still had sort of, uh, you know, liberal thought, you know, as a true discipline emerging. Um, so just there was a lot of collisions. I don't know if they just needed to clarify or, or what, but I'll try to find that out though. Why, why that revision? 79, it was because uh, there were some definite changes present in the church, and they wanted it reflected um, away from sort of the, the, what they would say, the heaviness, the seriousness of sin. Let's just like, let's, let's get people to the table. Let's get people, you know, to, uh, to just be um, kind of okay, transactional analysis, if you remember that, I'm okay, you're okay kind of stuff was really in vogue, all those kinds of ideas. Uh, you know, let's get away from the heaviness and let's like affirm folks and, and let's get towards what's good and we'll see some of that. So. Probably. Um, I don't know them. I do know that we are, um, right one is, is used uh, very, very seldom. Um, Charles, you may know some of these statistics. I don't know. I really know. don't, uh, but you know it's got to be just the tip of the iceberg at Yeah. Um, typically where it would be used is sort of, quote, unquote, the early service. But in other words, a concession to the old people. Um, uh, to, the, to the 7 a.m. and the 7.30 service, um, that'd be the right one. Uh, and then right two would be in uh, probably 90 plus percent of Episcopal churches in the United States would use right two as their principal service. Then, what's that? St. Luke's would use right two. So I don't know of any other church in Birmingham that would use right one in their principal service. I could be wrong. I mean, visit a church or let me know. Um, and then in terms of morning prayer, which we'll look at next week, uh, for a church to use morning prayer as often as we do, we've got to be like 2% of the churches, and it may, it may be less than that. I mean, it is really a small, small sliver that would, um, would keep morning prayer. Many Episcopalians go easily a decade without hearing the service of morning prayer. Um, yeah, there's no, that's how to be true. So. No, um, a lot of it was going on sort of similarly because the undercurrents and thoughts, you know, were going on also in the Roman Catholic Church. They went through Vatican II in the mid-60s, Episcopal Church a few years later, they went through 
sort of in a right, right two in the revisions of the, of the prayer book. Um, but no, that's talking just about the American Episcopal Church. Um, other, other branches of Anglicanism changed, and, and that was some, what some of the, like my dad, I'll probably talk about him a lot here, because he's, um, he was raised in 28, and he's kind of one of those old curmudgeons, and I'm always you know, becoming more and more like him, I'm sure. Uh, it's like they changed it. It's not a book of common prayer anymore. And it, there's a point there. Um, the idea of it being a common prayer was that all of us in all branches around the world would be praying the same prayer in common. And now, you know, having a service of right one or right two, or this may be omitted, or this may be added. You know, it started to really make it where it wasn't in common anymore. And that, uh, I, I don't know if, it's, if the U.S. church was one of the first or middle or last, but, but a lot of other provinces in the Anglican Communion also revised their, um, their services somewhere so, near the same time. So have there been, I mean, whether it's in Europe or in Africa, I mean, when we talk about the Book of Common Prayer, do we, it, I mean, is there a, where, where are they? Are yeah, they, no, like the Church of England has its own book of, uh, of Common Prayer, its own BCP. Um, we have our own published, you know, here in, in New York, um, uh, church in Australia has its own. I, I don't know about Africa. I don't know what they use. They probably use somebody else's, you know, Australia's or United States. I don't know that, but be my guess. I, I would speculate. I think, I think this is probably true. The last true book of common prayer that was the one that is still the official prayer book of the Church of England, and that's the 1662. That's probably true. Prayer. Uh, I mean, if you think about it, Keep all this, you know, and ask questions. I want to move into this at least a little bit. Um, uh, so we'll get into that. Does that come out right? Yeah. So here we go. Um, Holy Eucharist, right one and right two. It's going to be kind of what uh, clunky. Is I don't know any other way, better way to do this. I don't have two sort of a split screen with the two of them up there. Um, Couple of church websites, Episcopal Church websites. Um, the one, you know, sort of in their FAQ section, frequently asked questions. Question: I see there are two different kinds of services, right one and right two. What's the difference? This church's answer: The most apparent difference between right one and right two can be found in the type of language that is used to shape the prayers. Um, right one liturgies reflect a more traditional style of Anglican worship that is more familiar with those who grew up with the 1928 prayer book. Rite 2 liturgies reflect a more contemporary style of Anglican worship where everyday common English is used. Rite 1 and Rite 2 liturgies follow a very similar order while a few prayers are particular each rite. So they just their, their emphasis and where they just want to leave it, and I understand it, again, being fair, it's like for newcomers and it's like what's the tip of the iceberg answer and all that stuff. But they're just saying it's done, it's language, it's semantics, you know, it's not really, there's nothing really beneath that. It's sort of for those who wanted to stay with the 28, you know, and don't change much. We gave them this, but others wanted something newer, so we gave them that. Another church says, what's, uh, to the question, what's the difference between the rites, R-I-T-E-S? 
Rites are prescribed for various sacraments, offices, and occasions in liturgical churches, and including the Episcopal Church. These rites are found in the Book of Common Prayer. The term may also designate a particular collection of liturgies. Rite 1 uses traditional language. Rite 2 and other liturgies use a more contemporary language. That's it. It's language. That's all. So nothing else, this class, just a very small place. Um, uh, if it raises questions more than providing an answer, it would at least be the questions that stem from the idea, well, if it's more than language, if it's not just thy will be done rather than your will be done, um, if there's something more to it than that, what is it? And I would be happy if that's we all walked out and said, well, what's, what is it then? What's the it? And we all sort of wrestle with the pronoun. And then from a general internet forum, and then I'm going to stop, um, somebody says, I'm considering attending an Episcopal service primarily for the experience. What's the difference between right one and right two? Um, several people gave some answers. One, first one said, most Episcopalians seem to dislike right one because it seems too Roman Catholic, mostly because of the abundance of mea culpa. I thought, well, you know, they, they're, they're, they're getting it. Um, the abundance of mea culpa, you know, which is the, the Catholic term, or it's used still, in, I don't know if it's still used, it used to be used in the Catholic liturgy of, um, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm at fault, this, is, this fault is on me. Um, so that idea of sort of, you know, oh, woe is me, woe is me, flagellation, et cetera, and so forth. Second person said, the right two is a fine right, and one uh, that I attend most often at my church, mainly because the right one service is earlier in the morning. So I get up because it's too early. Um, next one says, right one is a pre-liturgical movement service that emphasizes penitence. Um, right two is a post-liturgical movement service that emphasizes joy. Both can be adaptive to additional elements. This person started to get there, I thought. One emphasizes penitence, the other joy. But, you know, closer to that idea, um, it sort of makes it, in comparison, very negative. Well, this one's sort of penitence, heavy. This one's joy, you know. And that's, you know, they're right, but it's a half-truth. There's certainly the, the joy from those of us who know that in the service, uh, the one in whose service is perfect freedom. I mean, that's a joyous statement. Um it's not just, you know, let's just all sort of, why can't we all just be friends? No, it's obviously sort of superficial on my part, but I think that's re it's reflecting a superficial um, analogy. So that, that's the reasons for all this. So what's the, what's, what's the, the general differences between the two? Um, very broadly, and I'm going to say this is, you know, is going to be grossly uh, restrictive. Very broadly, right one would have a vertical emphasis. Right two would have a horizontal emphasis. Right one would have that that emphasis that was born, say, out of the Reformation, where they were really fighting for for clarity to reform the church, to have it formed again. This emphasis on a right understanding of who I am uh, in relation to the Creator. So, as a creature to His Creator, um, the question of atonement still becomes very important. Atonement, at one -ment, the word actually is a, it's a compound word. Um, and so that question is still very present in the right one. So that's the vertical emphasis um, that's held all this. It's not just you know, traditional in the sense of, of old language. Um, it's traditional in the sense that that was, uh, that was what was, was born out of the Christian tradition, particularly at the time of the, 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 the English Reformation. Um, the horizontal emphasis of right two when I say horizontal, more of an emphasis on my relationship to you and your relationship to mine. Um, a lot more latitude, say, on the question of, um, of, of who I am and who are you. A lot more of a latitude uh, which provides for the, the definition of, of what sin is and what sins aren't. And, 
and uh, are we in control of that? And it's not as much of an emphasis on my relationship to a creator. Um, it's going to have a more of a, of a wider anthropology where it leaves it just a lot more sort of openness because the important thing is if we can get to the table, and that's a phrase that some people use, you know, the table, that being the, 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 the Holy Communion, the Lord's Supper, um, get up to the table where the, the sacraments are, uh, the, the consumption of the bread and the wine, that's really what matters. Um, that's sort of the highlight of every service. Um, and so it's going to say, you know, let's just get there. Whereas right one is going to say, no, it has its place, but it's going to have a different, we're going to have a different emphasis. And we're going to see that reflected in some of the, the, um, the prayers. So let's go through and just start comparing. Has anybody ever done this before? Kind of just flipped around. Let me interrupt and think. What Before I loaded the gun, um, what was your understanding? Have you ever thought what the difference between right one and right two is? Or given much thought to it? Yeah, Ginger. liberal but was all right one like had an altar against the wall so like the priest like when you did communion faced the wall and so it was very right one like innocent and it's been and then from like 10th grade through college I went to a church that was you know the church started after the 79 prayer book so Mm -hmm. it was you know all right to and one thing that was interesting about right to is like I guess there are all these different Eucharistic prayers and different forms of the prayers of people. So it's been interesting coming back to the Advent that I remember the right one prayers. And if I go to a right two church, I'm lost because like every Sunday was completely different Mm -hmm. based on kind of the whim Mm -hmm. of the minister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you could make it different. You could make it different. You could make it different for the day. Exactly paying attention as an eighth grader. Sure. It's just been interesting to have like the recall, like the um, prayer of humble access and yeah. stuff like that. Absent and right too. Yeah. Um, yeah, great segue because this actually was, look, first page looks very similar mm-hmm. with the acclamation, blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be the kingdom now and forever. And then, you know, I'm pointing at the screen like you can do that. And then the same you know, places here or in Lent, the same sort of, you know, call and response here. Look here. This is right one over here, by the way. The celebrant says, and this is the collect for purity, almost verbatim, a Cramner collect. Just what Ginger is saying. What does it say here? The rubric, as it's called, the celebrant may say. So just a lot of latitude. A lot of latitude that's given to the minister or to the uh, to the person organizing the worship that just says, you can do this. Now, again, not just to be curmudgeon but it takes away the common part. That's not salvific. I'm not going to. I'm not going to die on that grenade and say, well, it's always been. You know, I'm not going to do that. But it just opens it up to, well, you know, I don't want to do this collect for purity because because what does it say? Almighty God, into whom all arts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. So it's a strong statement of of the the the, the omniscience of God. Um, that can be kind of scary because. Uh, that leads one quickly to the idea of, of, of sinful thoughts and actions. And, and, you know, there are elements where that wants to be downplayed. And this provides an, uh, the, the uh, possibility for that downplaying. You don't have to say the, uh, the prayer of um, this collect for purity. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit. Don't cleanse me. You know, I don't, I don't need this. You know, it's very much sort of the, uh, the response of... Um, uh, Peter uh, 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 at, the, at the Lord's Supper, Lord, you know, don't don't wash me. You know, you you don't need to do this. Um, 
It's been described, by the way, Cramner's great work as the Bible arranged for worship. I think it's totally applicable. All of this just drips with biblical imagery, this college for purity and this, this idea of the washing there in the night in which he was betrayed. Um, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit, so that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name. It's not about me. It's about, it's about the one from whom no secrets are hid and all desires are known and who alone can cleanse. Uh, here, it's a may say. Small point, maybe, but, but it's going to come more. Then you get to the second page. Pretty significant difference. Um, we know this very well. Um, hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith. Um, over here, it's not there. That's called the summary of the law. You can read right here, up in the 28 prayer book, um, and we do it only on Lent 1. Um, parenthetically, I would like to read the Ten Commandments every every uh, every Sunday, and that's what would have been done all the way up through 1979. Um, uh, why? Why do we read the law? Well, it begs the good question, one that we're always asking here in this church, which is a good question. What's the point of the law? Now, there's a lot of answers to that. Um, but the least of which is the law leads us to Christ. The law reveals our need. The law crushes us. The law makes me aware of my sinfulness. The law um, uh, is that part of which uh, says that God cares and judges, that judgment is real, and that judgment needs judging. What, what do we call that judgment? The wrath of God. Now that gets real heavy that God is a wrathful God. Fast forward all the way to what we're going to be looking at in a little while in terms of the, uh, the, 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 the Eucharistic prayers, that God that propitiates sin, that gives himself for us, so that sin may be satisfied, so that wrath may be satisfied. His, his quantity of, of justice, which needs to go somewhere because something has been done wrong, that quantity has been um, oblated. It has been uh, it has been offered and taken care of. That's 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 called propitiation of wrath. All of that's completely absent in the right too. It's just it's the, the the idea of the law of God which brings proper judgment. It's it's much harder to find. Let me say it that way. Um, and it doesn't have the summary of the law. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith: Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind. The first and great commandment. The second is like unto it: Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is not sort of an encouragement to like, okay, I'm going to reset. It's Sunday. I'm good. Now I know I need to love God all week. I need to love everybody else all week long. It's really this, you know, after we've just said that God sees even the thoughts of our hearts, and I realize that I haven't done this. This is the beginning. It's preparation for coming to the right place of table. Um, that's in a repentance, you know, uh, where I'm being, I'm being prepared. I'm being crushed here. This is called the... Word of God. The, the service of Holy Communion is divided into the, the liturgy of the Word and then later the liturgy of the table. This is all the liturgy of the Word, which crushes and crushes and crushes right up to the confession of sin, at which point the priest absolves and then gives the comfortable words, the strengthening words, the resurrecting words. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith. Um, uh, again, those comfortable words, absent in right two. So that's the difference. There's a big difference theologically in what's been going, going on here. So, Charles. Could I make the case? Well, of course, I'm Hamish. Right 
Well, to the extent I said it was horizontal in emphasis, yes. Um, that uh, let's just get along. You know, we need to tap on to something. I'm okay. You're okay. Why can't we be friends? Um, differences don't really matter as much as what we have in common. Let's just all come together in sort of the many, many colors makes one tapestry. You know, these these ideas. These are very sort of. Um, these are these are these are big ideas in 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 the mainline Protestant churches these days. Um, uh, I think they're misplaced. Now, obviously, I'm I'm putting something out there. Could be wrong. Um, uh, no doubt, I'm wrong in a lot of places. But yeah, I would say that because it's just it's not here. So, so we have the summary of the law um, where the Ten Commandments may be said. That's a difference between the 28 to the to the uh, to the 79, um, or giving the um, the option for the summary of the law. Um, then comes what's called the uh, the Kyrie. Right two does have that. You can see they have down here what's called the Gloria, whereas right two starts with the Gloria, and then it comes down here to the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, or Kyrie eleison. Um, what's the difference? Right one, Lord have mercy upon us. Right two omits that, Lord have mercy. Is there a consequence to that? I think so. Lord have mercy. Just generally, Lord have mercy on Ed because he's really, you know, I'm glad I'm not him. You know, this is, it just leaves that open, you know. Whereas, Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on me. This is the mea culpa, that I did it. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Um, in response to the summary of the law. Absolutely, that's right. Because you were being crushed. Lord, have mercy. It's right. You are the one from whom no secrets are hid. You're telling me to love you and love others. I can't do any of this. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Um... I'm going to move real quick because you can see where this goes. There's not much difference between two glorias. Um, there is some. The collects of the day. A little bit to say with this. Yeah, Martin? Yeah, what's the, go, go back up. The, um, the, this right here, Holy God. Right here? Right to. Oh, yeah, that's down here. That's right. That's called the um, Trisagion, I think. Uh, thrice holy. I probably I don't think I pronounced that correctly. Um, old, 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 old. Like back in the first, second century, um, coming out of Isaiah. Again, Bible range for worship. Um, uh, where it's also an option. I don't know about the 28. Um, uh, very similar. So it does keep it there. Yeah. Trying to be fair. I mean, it didn't completely erase, but so. Um, we don't say that much. I don't know why. Um, I've never been in a church that really does. But the collects and elsewhere, there is a difference. And the Catholic Church just changed this back two years ago, I think. The difference between and with thy spirit and also with you. Um, it's an interesting phrase that we, we give here. Uh, the Lord be with you. And you automatically say, and with thy spirit. Have you ever thought about that? What, what is that all about? Um, there's an idea uh, that's beneath that, where if I'm leading a prayer, certainly if I'm a priest, a priest being the one who stands before God and the people of God, he's the intermediary, and so it's got that sort of Roman uh, undertone to it. Um, the Lord be with you, and you say, and with thy spirit. What you're doing as the congregation is praying for me, a certain recognition or acknowledgement, um, and with your spirit, not just... Um, in a, in, when with you in a very particular way, and not just what we, uh, well, not just what we can see, but that part of you which we believe is true, but we really haven't thought of, because you're about to do something for us. This is what we say when we say, "And with thy spirit, 
you're about to do something for us to bring us to God. Um, and so it's got that priestly function that's in there. Um, these come, it's very biblical, it comes out of Ruth, um, the Lord be with you, and then I think it's 2 Timothy and 2 Corinthians, a lot of places saying with thy spirit, this idea of, of, uh, of, of, of recognition and acknowledgement that as the spirit of Christ is coming and there's something that we can't see, but it's still very, very true, the reality of the immaterial, you might say. Um, it's a recognition of that and saying um, we're, we're recognizing. It's especially appropriate in the communion service. Um, the... Uh, where we'll, we'll read about that in a moment. Um, but you can see it's different. It's not just, the Lord be with you. Hey, you too. <laughs> Have a good day. So um, uh, it's, it's not, it, it doesn't get it. Um, so part of this hope in doing this class, this will help for me, is uh, just as we say these words, we sort of think, why do we do that? You know, and with thy spirit, what, what does that mean? And with your spirit, you know, how can that be different? Let me move quickly because we need to. The creeds, there's, there's some interesting things to say. Um, the r- right one gives the option of either credemos, um, we believe, or credo, I believe. Um, right two just has the uh, the one that's mainly for tradition. I think it was written, in fact, in the third person plural, we believe. So you could say, if you were a true crusty old man, that we believe is the right one. But but within a hundred years after it was first written back in the Council of Nicaea, it became traditional to say I believe, um, and that's what we do. The Advent we we, we retain credo. Prayers of the people, as Ginger said, I'm moving really quickly. Um, uh, uh, there's a, there's really the one option in right one. Right two has, um, doesn't even give it here. It just says, see the forms beginning on 383. I think there's six options, and then it says, or others, if you want to. So this is where in Episcopal service, the minister can really kind of do what they want to do. And in different parts of different churches, they, 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 that's a pretty good liberty. Um, let's move quick. Uh, confession of sin, this is where it starts to get pretty pretty different. Um, right one over here. Uh, Ye who do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins, almost verbatim out of 28 and 1662. Uh, repentance language. Ye who do truly and earnestly repent uh, and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God. Because this is still in sort of the ministry of the word where you've, you've said the ministry of the law and you've heard the readings and you've had this sermon, all of which is sort of the word is living and active and preparing us um, for the, uh, the gospel event. Um, it's still, this is where sort of the, 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 the coup de grace, the stroke of grace is supposed to come in our, our liturgy. Uh, walking henceforth in his holy ways, draw near with faith and make your humble confession to Almighty God devoutly kneeling. Or, and this is not, and this is what, this was a change, or, let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. In right two, all it has is let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Sounds similar. It doesn't have any of the long part. Most people can say, that's just length. Well, that's repentance. It names repentance. Absent over here. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. It's actually a new idea, one that I hadn't thought of a lot, but the idea that I can sin against Tommy or Ginger. Um, can I sin against Bart? Can I sin against anybody else? Or do I own all my sins only against the Almighty God? Um, this retains that idea that every sin committed is really only against God. Because he's the only one, he, he's our, it's our audience of one. So this goes to your point, Charles, your question. Um, everything I do or don't do or say or don't say, um, my only audience is God. Over here, let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Now do I do... Do I do wrong to my daughters? Ask them. <laughs> um, 
and they will tell you. Uh, but I'm going to say that's a sin against God. It's not a sin against them. Um, it's not a sin against them. Uh, and so lots of differences here. And then the, 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 the differences, and we have the option in right one. The second option is very similar to the only option in right two. The first option and the one that we do here at the Advent, again, comes straight out of the 28 um, and, uh, and very much in line with what came out at the beginning. Um, reinforcing that creature... Uh, creator part, Almighty God, Father of our Lord, Maker of all things, Judge of all men. We acknowledge and bewail our manifold. People are like, oh, give me a break. You know. Well, if you want, if you, if th- this idea of being broken, to then go to the table, to be fed, unless you drink my blood and eat my body, you'll have no part of me. Um, that's the Eucharistic idea that right one is really moving towards. And there's a lot of that that's not here. Yeah, tell me. One question I've always had about the right one confession is where it says the knowledge of the will and manifold sins and wickedness which we from time to time most grievously uh-huh. committed. That always just struck me as being somewhat inconsistent with what I feel like I've learned here and from guys like PZ and Paul Walker about, you know, that sin is not a list of actions that we do, Very fair. Yeah. but a state that we in, you know, yeah. inhabit, but for God's grace. And that language seems much more when we say, well, you know, I sin right now, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Oh, time, time. Sin, yeah. You know, I would agree with that verbatim. I'll say this, because I know I'm interrupting you. Next week, morning prayer. The, the morning prayer, right one, confession and... Uh, uh, invitation to confession, the confession itself, and then the absolution. That's Cramner, and it gets it. I mean, it gets it completely, and it's different than this one. Um, and it's not going to leave that one open. I think that's a. I think that's a very good pickup. I've never, I've never thought about that. But yeah, yeah, we don't time. Sin's not timely. It's always. It's good. Um. Then we have the absolution. It's moving quickly because we're out of time. The absolution and the comfortable words. Uh, uh, doesn't have that at all in right two. Big omission, big big change. Um, uh, what I liked in the 28, and they don't do this, um, Paul's all used to, and, and Frank continues it, uh, uh, the 28 will say, hear the comfortable words that our Lord Jesus Christ saith. And then it will say these two words from Matthew and John. It says, hear also what St. Paul saith, and this word from Timothy, and this one from John. Just, it's just you know, Bible. You know, I'm always Bible. You know, and it just pulls it right there, and it's great. These words are not just sort of pulled out and you know, from from nowhere. These are the comfortable, comfort, strengthened with these words as I've been broken, and uh, uh, and now being prepared for the table, the Holy Communion. Um, uh, I think we're gonna stop. That's enough to 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 go on. There's there's some differences here, as you would guess. Um, but uh, but we can look at those. It's really just to sort of move that forward. Yeah, Lula. You might know that. I think it's right one sort of modified. Um, we we don't use right two. Um, I think it's right one where we've changed the thee to you and the thou. You know, we just kind of updated the language. Is that right? Like no, I'm not a five o'clocker. I go about twice a year. Yeah. Yeah, like I know we do the, we always do the comfortable words. We always do the prayer of humble access, which is, um, you know, down here, which is not there. Principles 
Matt, Drew. Yeah. I, I was just going to note. I think that right to has such a low view of the of the law that it, it's fair to question its view of the gospel, considering the context in which it was written. Sure. And, and on that point, my experience with with right to was less in the mainline church and more so with splinter groups. Mm-hmm. And it just seems to me that there the, the problem isn't just kind of the, the Protestant liberalism of the seventies. But also the worst, worst excesses of um, the charismatic movement, which is less about forgiveness and a lot more about healing and mercy, mm-hmm. and, and that's, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily bad. Bad. But it, it seems to veer off the rails just a little bit yeah. in, in reducing to speak about sin. Very true, and you know, lots to say about what the what's the point and purpose of the liturgy. Um, yeah, there'd be a lot there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drew, we'll wrap up. Who makes the where's where's the decision right one versus right two made? Is that a here? Vestry? Yeah. Um, I guess it'd be the dean. dean. The vestry could exert lateral pressure, but the vestry the, the dean is called to be the uh, sort of the chief right. liturgical person. Um, the vestry could, you know, some vote of no confidence or whatever could move that way. But but yeah, it's definitely that definitely rests on the dean's discretion here at the advent. Yeah. Ginger and then Gretchen. You might not remember this or know, but like when the 79 prayer book came out, was there a period where churches could choose to use 28 or 79? Like, because now my understanding is like you are not allowed to use the 28 prayer book. Yeah, that'd be the discretion of the bishop. Bishop could say, yeah, if you wanted to use a 28, you could. So um, the most wouldn't. Have like a 28 morning prayer service on Wednesday. Probably. In fact, the Advent had a 28. The Advent 7:30 service used the 28 service up until. Six, seven, eight years ago, I think, um, and then it went to right one. Uh, Bishop gets involved in that. Bishop can really do do anything um, in terms of the liturgy. Uh, I guess there's a few exceptions to that, but not many. Um, and so, yeah, around the time of all this revision, there was lots going on, as you can imagine. So, let's take a time. There's one more. Yeah, Gretchen. Great, thanks. Mm-hmm. I might do that at week three, because no one to look at the burial office, which I think we read really well, and we still marry. There's an adage: the Episcopal Church marries and buries well, and that's true. Those, those, they're they're good services, but also look at confirmation, which is man, that is the worst thing we have in prayer book, um, and uh, and baptism. I'll look at baptism and see where yeah, that goes. That's so. really a cool one. Yeah. I mean, it, it just, when you're about to baptize somebody, it just really, just the study in the 28th really kind of puts you in a good, I mean, it really tells you what you're doing. Amen. Let me close this. Um, I hope this is helpful. It's really just a chance to kind of think about what we do. I know it's different from what I usually do, but um, 
if it's helpful, come back. If not, there's a lot of other really good classes right now, so have fun. <laughs> Gracious Father, for, uh, for this day, um, give you thanks. Speak, I pray, in a way that would be helpful and deepen our, um, our understanding of you um, and your word and its effect on us. Um, feed us uh, with these spiritual mysteries um, through the body and blood of our, uh, of our Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks. See you all.